automating distribution, a skills gap in finding workers, and how can we tell when transportation will rebound? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. I am Dave Maloney, I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by PERC, the Propane Education and Research Council. Propane is the safe, reliable energy for material handling. Propane-powered forklifts can improve air quality inside your facilities for a healthier, more productive workforce. See how propane can give your productivity a boost at propane.com slash forklifts. As usual, our DC Velocity Senior Editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, supply chains have been roughed up quite a bit this year, with transportation in a recession and many warehouse projects on hold throughout the industry. Yet even with the current economic climate, buyers are still making investments in warehouse robotics, but possibly smaller investments than they would like. In this environment, what can logistics companies do to hit their long-term goals for automation? To find out more, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Business conditions are tough nowadays with high inflation and interest rates, a low unemployment rate, and strict consumer demands for things like next day delivery and free returns. Yet reports show that warehouse robotic platforms are still in high demand. Here to talk with us this week about why those two trends are happening at the same time, we have this week's guest, Dr. Thomas Evans, who is the Robotics Chief Technology Officer for Honeywell. Welcome, Dr. Evans. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you having me. Thomas, to start off, maybe you could remind our listeners what Honeywell Robotics' role is in the industry, and as automation becomes more and more necessary to manufacturing, how do you see the role of Honeywell Robotics changing or evolving? Yeah, good question. Just a little bit on the background and some of the things that Honeywell is facing right now in the industry and providing global solutions to our customers. We've seen the pressures that many other companies have seen over the years with the pandemic and the surge and the labor issues that a lot of companies are facing. We've had to answer that all the way through our supply chain, our, our global reach, and down into the product development side and the R&D, which I'm focused in in robotics. So with that, looking at what we've done recently and the conversations that we've had with our customers, there's been a lot of push for automation to mature quickly, uh, but also meet the productivity, the cost points, pricing, and be on the floor in customer facilities in accelerated timeframes. So that has driven us uh, in some of our perspectives and how we handle all of those pressures throughout the, the chain of getting solutions to our customers in a accelerated fashion and also in scrutiny on the robotics team to automate more quickly and facilitate what our customers are asking for. Uh, we do see a strong position in the industry still with the request for automation and the conversations that we're having throughout multiple industries. So it's very interesting for us and also one that we're really pushing on in our development side and customer interfacing side to make sure we deliver. Let's dig in a little bit to the changing demand for warehouse robotics and automation. Uh, you say that under you know the financial pressures in the current economic climate, many companies are putting off plans to make major overhauls, but they're still making smaller investments? Yes, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a reduction a bit in the overall 
plan for new greenfield sites and warehouse expansion. However, that has focused more deeply on the operations side. There is still a demand and a very strong demand to answer the pressures that the operators are having in manufacturing, in e-com and retail for the inconsistencies, but also the demand on the higher productivity. Uh, they're looking at the performance and the reliability of automation, whether it's in the pick and place robotics to fulfill orders or induct cases or eaches or move products from one location to another or fulfill a workflow using mobility robotics. Very much keen and interested uh, on what we're doing in that area. So that's a lot of the, the demand that we're seeing in the conversation. So there's still those point solutions and requests from our customers to dive into the automation. Really interesting. Um, you mentioned point solutions, and, and that sort of raises a question. That approach could kind of raise its own challenges, because even if you buy technology uh, piecemeal to make those smaller investments, all those different components have to work together eventually, right? That's true. That's true. When I came to Honeywell three and a half years ago, I looked at the landscape and the direction of which you know Honeywell was focusing in advanced automation. Uh, we focused in on the software platform. We focused in on what we call our Honeywell Universal Robot Controller. That at that time, it was pre-pandemic, but the vision of the company and the technology I was moving forward was to be able to get to a point to quickly interface, not just with hardware, but other software interfaces and other point solutions as we develop them organically through the entire process from inbound to outbound in any facility, but also be able to quickly interface in an interoperable fashion. So that's what we created and started down the road of HERC, the Honeywell Universal Robot Controller with that vision. Now that's becoming more important and extremely valuable to our customers as they see this reduced scope and automation, wanting to do the point solutions, wanting to make sure they can answer the labor constraints and in individual applications, whether that's inbound trailer unloading, inbound to palletizing, movement of bulk flow from point A to point B. They wanna make sure they can handle that at the point scale, but also interface to their West WMS and other systems they may already have in play in automation or be planning for the next step of their incremental automation plan. Now, of course, all this in the end, um, it comes down to financials. Um, so whether they're automating single parts of, of warehouse and operations as some of the things that you mentioned or investing in those major systems we'd seen previously, how are businesses looking to save money in that process? Well, I think it's looking at the ROI. That's first and foremost. And we dive through simulation or costing and estimating to show with the deliverable, with the products that we have, knowing what they can do from a productivity standpoint, uh, that's one way in, in how they're looking at the investment and how they're planning for it. The second, uh, the conversations around the financing models. Do they wanna take on the CapEx with their capital expense? Would they rather defer that through a RAS model? Those two in combination, I think the ROI and the productivity expectations, the FTEs uh, or the personnel that they can offset in their workforce to be at a more valuable position in the warehouse or distribution center or fill in the gaps of the labor that they don't have right now are all in the ROI calculation. And then looking at what's the best model for them financially to bring that in as soon as possible. Those are two things that they're really saying. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, it, it sounds like there are some great um, point solutions and, and, and there's the ROI on it. 
Um, I'm curious how you're seeing businesses kind of stay on track to reach their long-term goals when they're buying smaller systems. Uh, yeah, if, if you could dig into that a little. Yeah, really good question. It's one thing that I can speak to with the VOC, working with our customers, voice of customer, in the last year or two, is what is their solution path and long-range vision roadmap? Um, and how do you create and enable that vision roadmap from taking on point solutions, but every point solution you make uh, and deliver to your, your customers and your partners is one that is going to enable that long-term vision. Uh, that's something that we've taken a new conversation on with bigger entities and even some of the smaller mid-market customers with uh, how we do that. But hearing the customer and understanding what that roadmap is is first and foremost, and their overall corporate objectives What's it mean for the company, but also what does it mean for that individual site, that individual operation, uh, and driving success throughout the entire chain of our, our customer base? Some of the conversations when we talk about the transition uh, have been, how do I get to this point in one, three, five years because of the projections and resiliency they want in their business with uncertainties that we face ahead? They know that they have to be resilient to a changing workforce. They know they have to be resilient uh, to changing demands in the economy and the uncertainty that's being seen there around uh, pricing structures and, and the supply chain. Those are the conversations that have brought in with our bigger customer base globally. And I think we are positioning ourselves with what we had discussed earlier with the software platforms, with the point solutions, the integrated solutions, and then a solution path for our customers to really be able to help uh, this automation journey that they're seeking. Really interesting process. Um, I, I, we learned a lot here today, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Excellent. Thank you, Ben. Uh, our guest this week has been Dr. Thomas Evans from Honeywell. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Dr. Evans and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you wrote a story this week on some new research that shows that a lack of job skills is making it difficult to find good workers for our industry. Can you share some details? Absolutely, happy to. Yeah, so it's getting harder to find the right talent in the supply chain. And this is especially true when it comes to filling leadership roles and developing the next generation of corporate supply chain managers. That's according to a recent survey by Alcott Global, a Singapore-based supply chain and logistics recruitment and talent management firm. The company surveyed more than 300 senior executives in supply chain from around the world and they found that a current talent shortage is among the top challenges the industry is facing over the next 12 months. Half of those surveyed listed the lack of talent as a key problem, and it's a factor that came in just behind issues such as rising inflation, that was 54%, and changes in geopolitics, trade policies, or customs regulations, that was 57%. And it came in ahead of issues such as rising labor costs, 36%, emissions regulations and the like, which is something we hear about a lot, 31%, um, and capacity constraints, which just over a quarter of respondents said was a top challenge. But on top of all that, the survey showed that the talent that is available out there lacks the right skill set needed to succeed in supply chain management. And 64% of survey respondents listed finding candidates with the right skills as their biggest hiring challenge right now. And that was followed by things like a shortage of talent in areas like data analytics, optimization, and automation, 
the need to reduce time to hire for open supply chain positions, retaining talent and reducing turnover, and a lack of diversity in the talent pool. So uh, the skill set issue was far and away um, uh, the biggest issue that uh, these survey respondents pointed to. Victoria, did the study address what companies can do to help solve this problem? Not specifically, no, but it does recommend what candidates can do to hone their skills so they can advance their careers. The report identifies a set of hard skills and soft skills that supply chain professionals need in order to fill the gaps, so to speak. Uh, the hard skills, which are essentials for doing the mechanics of the job, include understanding end-to-end -end supply chain operations, mastery of data analytics, being up to date with supply chain technologies and understanding risk management, which has certainly been a big issue uh, the last few years. The soft skills, which are more behavioral in nature, include the ability to problem solve, collaborate, be adaptable, be influential, and have a customer focused mindset. Now, all this is part of a white paper that Alcock Global released in conjunction with the survey, and it includes some strategies for developing both sets of skills. Our listeners can find a link to information on all of this in the story, which was posted this week, as you said, to our uh, website news section. Great. Well, we do hear these same concerns emerging from a lot of different industries with not being able to find people with the right skills. And of course, we know that you have to have good people to run any organization. Very true. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, the freight industry has continued to struggle this year, and you wrote a story this week that shows further slowing in the industry. How can we tell if we've hit the bottom of this current cycle? It has struggled, exactly, and that's something that, that we've been reporting on for a few months now. Uh, that, that, that pressure has you know, had a real impact on many companies, uh, even Major fleets like XPO Logistics have seen their quarterly revenue drop. We saw those numbers a few days ago. And of course, we saw the complete collapse of Yellow, who uh, just declared bankruptcy. Uh, that's generally, you know, have some silver linings for shippers because it makes it less expensive to move their goods. Uh, but we've lately been seeing some hints that the freight down cycle could be nearing the bottom of its downturn. And that means the trucking industry could be getting ready for its cyclical rebound. Uh, one sign of that specifically came from the latest Logistics Managers Index, uh, which Victoria covered just last week. And that showed that economic conditions in the logistics industry overall had slowed again in July, but some transportation metrics particularly had started to improve. But aside from pointing to sort of broad variables like diesel prices and, and uh, excess capacity, uh, I realized in all this reporting, I wasn't really sure to tell exactly when this turnaround will come. Uh, but then a new report came out just the other day that answered a lot of those questions, and that was called uh, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index. Ben, did that report give any predictions about when they feel that the freight recession is about to end? Uh, I wish it did give some specific predictions. I think we'd all be a lot more wealthy if we could put our finger on the date on the calendar there. Uh, however, um, it did find uh, not specific to a date, but it, it so it said its shipments and its spending metrics that it measures um, had showed both quarterly and yearly declines for a second consecutive quarter. Um, this was the second quarter report, so that's covering from March to June. Um, so that indicates that it was, you know, still on the way down, but softening. 
but of course now we're all living through the third quarter at the moment we're in august here so um you know we'll have to see we, the rebound could be happening as we speak uh th these measurements uh, you know look backwards of course uh but to tell specifically when it's going to happen um what caught my eye is that there were four specific details that the u.s bank report examined uh first as we mentioned they did mention the broader economy um that multiple headwinds that we've all been noticing of late uh, but more specifically, they said that consumers are continuing to spend more right now on services versus goods. Of course, that circumstance punishes the trucking sector in particular because service transactions require moving a lot less freight than goods does. Another way to tell uh, specifically when things might turn around is that they said that manufacturing activity and specifically housing starts were down in the second quarter. Uh, of course, both of those are significant contributors to truck freight. We have to move all the construction equipment. The third one is an interesting thing. They said that shippers are starting to consolidate their freight by waiting on a full trailer. It makes it more efficient uh, from the shipper's point of view, but it reduces the overall uh, number of uh, truck trips that goes around. Fourth uh, one in the list was that they pointed to weaker international trade, and that's reflected in less cargo coming into seaports um, obviously fewer containers fewer trucks so uh, for me that that was an interesting thing to keep an eye on those four variables as we all track the logistics markets and uh, maybe that'll help us to see exactly when transportation conditions will start to change yeah those are some good indicators i i think once the glut of inventories are depleted we should see some demand rising again hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later we'll be sure to keep an eye on it yep thank you ben we encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Again, we'd like to thank Dr. Thomas Evans of Honeywell for being our guest, and we welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. Speaking of subscribing, check out our sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It is co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. The current series is on transportation tech. Check out Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by PERC, the Propane Education and Research Council. Propane is a safe, reliable energy for material handling. Propane-powered forklifts can improve air quality inside your facilities for a healthier, more productive workforce. See how propane can give your productivity a boost at propane.com forklifts. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters. Be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week. <music>